0: to be able to learn together. Meseches, my I'm sorry that I can't be there with you in person this morning, but at least Baruch Hashem will get the opportunity to continue our Limud virtually. So today's daf is daf Hey, Page five. Daf five, Meseches. Agiga. begin by thanking our sponsors to thank our Talmud sponsors for the month of Adra Aleph, Paul and Kathy Pollack for dedicating all the Shi'urim and Rushals this month. I'm sorry. All the Sherman Drussels this month in memory of Paul's grandparents, Zahari Ben Zahario, Dina Basrab Dove, and to thank Art and Sherry Miller for dedicating all the Sherman Drussels this month in memory of Art's brother Richard Miller, Ruven Ben Batsal Veloch. We hope that in the merit of our Torah, all of the Nishamma and Aliyah, and the families in Khamena so With that, let us let us begin so as i mentioned today's daf is daf hey we are actually picking up on the bottom of Dalid amud beis this is where we left off uh three six lines up from the bottom a really beautiful gemara so remember again we we started this theme yesterday of these great rabbanim arriving at these psukim that presented them with such profound theological issues that literally again they began to cry i shouldn't say issues like in a bad way but just difficulties, difficulties that overwhelm them to the point that they cried. So the Gemara says, When Rav Yosef came to the following pasuk, he cried, So the Gemara here quotes in the pasuk from Mishle, which literally means there could be one who is collected. Collected, of course, in this context means death. There could be one who dies, Without justice. One who dies without mishpat. Says the Gemara. What is this? Amar mi'ika below So interestingly, Rav Yossi said, is it possible that a person could die not in their right time? In other words, what's this idea? Pashtas so a person leaves this world at the appointed time. How could it be that a person leaves this world and it's not at their time? To which the says, in, no, it could happen. Barabaya, have a This is interesting. Rabibi Barabaya apparently spent some time with the malachamavas. It must have been an interesting relationship. He says that the Malacham Avos Amar Levi the Shluchei Miriam Megadlo Seir Nashia. So Rabbi observed the following exchange. The Malacham said to his Shaliach. So this is also an incredible Yisog. The Malacham doesn't do everything himself. He has shluchim. He has agents. Again, the malach HaMavis, his is responsible. It's a lot on his plate. So the uh, again, he has to find other. He has support staff, which of course, by the way, is an incredible yisod in life. That if you want to be successful at whatever it is that you do, you have to surround yourself with the right, right support team to enable and to amplify your success. Even L'habdu, the malach hamavos doesn't do everything himself. He says tis Shaliach, Zil Aisili, go and bring me the neshama of Miriam, the one the woman who braids the hair of other women. Miriam the braider. This was her name. She said she was known. Bring me, bring me the neshama of Miriam the braider. So the gemara. says Azal aysili Miriam Magad Ladardiki. Shaliach made a mistake. Shaliach made a mistake, and the shaliach instead brought the neshama of Miriam. The one who was in charge of young children, so they she brought him the Miriam instead of Megadla Ser Nasha, the one who braids the hair of women. Megadla Dardiki, she like ran a she ran a gun, you know, she ran a nursery, Miriam, the, the nursery school, the play group, the play group leader. Brought, so the, the Shliach brought the wrong nishama Anna, Miriam, Megadla Ser So Mahamav is upset. He says, "The Shliach, I told you, I gave you explicit instructions. I told you to bring the nishama of Miriam." The one who braids the hair of women, not Miriam, not Miriam, the one who raises children watches over children. She says, No problem. I'll just return the neshama of Miriam, the playgroup leader. I'll return her neshama. Keep it easy. says, No, it doesn't work that way. Once you brought her neshama, she's here. She's here. She's added literally again to the tally of the dead. Ella, Hechi Yachlisla. So, so, have, so maybe some of, maybe some of them take someone not in their right time. Havanikita me asra biodah vahavakashargra top of top of he tanura. So listen to this. So what happens? the Malchamava says as follows. nakita Look at Rashi. Last Rashi and This Miriam, this Miriam, who was the Megatl Dardiki, this Miriam was the babysitter, the nursery school teacher, the play group leader. So she was she was holding a poker, right? She was going ahead and holding the poker. She was she was stirring stuff in the oven, the coals in the oven, and she was holding a poker in her hand. And what happened? Top of hay. She went ahead and she accidentally placed the poker on top of her foot. As a result, she got burned. And her muzzle was weakened. And therefore again, and therefore her neshama was taken. So what's happening over here is something very interesting. So Rabibi is bothered by Malachamavas. How can you take someone not in their appointed time to which the Malach says, you're right except when a person does something that weakens their muzzle, Or in this particular case, when a person does something which places themselves in mortal danger, that gives them Al-Hamavis, a little bit of a, of a pasach, of an opening to be able to take that neshama. In other words, that normally there's a certain mazal, there's a certain protection that a person has. But when a person places themselves, knowingly or unknowingly, in a dangerous situation, it leaves them open for greater danger. This this is the idea, by the way, why we don't put ourselves b'mokom <laughs> sakana. We don't put ourselves in a place of danger. Besides the fact that there's a biblical obligation, and I have to watch over my life. But in addition to that, when a person is in a precarious state, it just opens the door for other negative and dangerous things to occur, so this so Malchamav says, "Listen, this Miriam she burnt herself. So because she burnt herself, her Maslow was compromised, and because her maslo was compromised, I was able to take her neshama." So Rabbi says, do you ever Shus to do this? Do you ever Shus to take him the neshama not at its right time?" So Malchamav is close the pasuk in Mishlei to Rabbi, and so the Bibi doesn't the Pasik say. There are some who are collected even without judgment, meaning that there are some who leave this world even though it's not their right time. I Surabibi, says, Dar but the Pasik says Rabbi says, incredible by the way. he's getting into an exchange with the Malach I but the Pasik says a generation comes, a generation goes, which sounds like each and every generation, each and every person has their defined time in this world. And they're not taken from this world ultimately again until their time is up. So how can you take this Miriam Magad earlier than her time? Amrale, Darina Luhu, Anna Mashlimna Le This is an incredible Gemara. So ultimately again. So the HaMavah says to her, maybe listen, here's what I do. When someone is taken not in their right time, there's a Malach by the name of Duma. Duma is in charge of the dead. Duma is in charge of the dead. When the neshama has been taken from this world early, the Malach says, I allow the neshama to travel with me around the world, and only after its intended lifespan comes to an end, only then do I hand the neshama over to Duma. So it's almost as if the Malach says, there, there's, they, they don't experience complete death until the amount of time that they were supposed to live officially comes to an end. So, mm-hmm. let, let's say this Miriam Magal Dardiki was supposed to live until ninety. The Malach took her when she was eighty. So the Malach says, for ten years I allow her to come with me, accompany me along my journeys in the world, and only when she is ninety do I hand her neshama over to Duma, who is in charge of the neshamas or of the dead, I should say. So our baby says, but what do you do with the 10 years? In other words, there's 10 years that Miriam for argument's sake. There's a certain amount of time that she was supposed to live that she doesn't end up living. So what, what do you do with those years? we say, listen to this Gemara. So the Malach Hamava says something amazing. He says, if I find the Talmud Chochum, the Ma'avir Rashi says over here, Ma'avir Amidosov. If I find a Tamut Chachem who is a forgiving individual, a yielding individual, a person who does not exact retribution even when he is wrong, wronged, I give him those years. And will see, hear this, you hear this, you hear how incredible this is. First of all, again, a person becomes makes themselves into a Tam that's important. But being a Tamuthachim is not enough. You have to be Ma'avir al midosav. you have to be a Bal Midos Tovos. You have to have the right character traits. And at least in the eyes of the Malachamavas, the greatest character trait that a person could be, could could possess is to be a yielding individual. Ma'avir al Midosav. A Vatron, a forgiving, a yielding person. Malachamavas says when someone is collected from this world before their time, if I find the Tamtechocham, who is a forgiving and yielding individual, I give him those years. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. Rabbi Yochanan, will say so much to say on that story, so much to say just about the dynamic of death, the dynamic of premature death, but I want to, again, how the Malach how death works, doom works, no idea. But the notion that what you could gain in life by number one, making yourself into a Tamut Chacham. And number two, being a forgiving and yielding individual. Literally, it could add more years onto your life. Incredible. Rabbi Yochanon la Krabahi. Rabbi when you get to the following Pasik, you would cry. So the Pasik says over here. Pasik says. So listen to this. So the pasuk says, it's quoting over here, quoting over here from Eov. Fatisi <speaking in Hebrew> Literally, he incited me to swallow him up for nothing. What does this mean? Masisinlo. <speaking in Hebrew> Venise says, Takana yishlo? So ultimately, again, a servant whose master is incited against him and then tests him, is there any remedy for such an individual? So Rabbi Yochanan felt overwhelmed by the notion, ultimately, again, here, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gets incited against us. And then ultimately, again, we get incited against HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So the Gemara goes right to The Gemara says, Rabbi Yochanan, kimot l'haikra bachhi? Rabbi Yochanan got to the following Pasek, he cried, "Hain bikdoshav lo ya'min. So, this is actually an incredible pasik. Heim bikdoshav lo yamin, literally translated, means even in his holy ones, he does not believe. What does this mean? I yamin. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't believe in his holy ones, yamin, then who should he believe in? So, this is actually an overwhelming pasik because what the pasik seems also from EO, what the pasik seems to highlight is that at the end of the day, HaKadosh Baruch Hu can't have full trust in anyone even in those who are holy Baruch, who can't have full trust. So the Gemara tells a story. We'll see what it means in just a moment. <speaking in Hebrew> One day Rabbi Yochanan was walking on the road. <speaking in Hebrew> he saw that there was a man who was gathering figs. <speaking> in <Hebrew> and interestingly enough, he interesting figs. He said he did not eat the ripened figs. Figs. So Rabbi Yochanan sees this, le, So the Gimara says, le, lav Why are you taking the unripe figs? Doesn't it make sense to take the ripened figs with you? honey So the man says, No, I'm traveling. I'm traveling. And therefore I need the food to keep for a while. The ones that are ripened, they're ready to eat now. They're not going to last for the journey. The ones that are unripened; those are the ones that last for the journey. Rabbi Yochanan said this, and he said, "Amar ha'inu ha'in That's the meaning of the pasik That a kaddish baruch hu can't even believe in his holy ones. Meaning what? Look at Rashi. Ha'inu ha'tovos Afa So this is interesting. I, I think the pasha shot of the, the Gimara is there is no guarantee of continued spiritual success. You know, we know the way it works in Luchnes, you could do the right thing for a prolonged amount of time, but that is no guarantee that you're going to continue to stay on the proper derech for the rest of your life. Unfortunately, it happens. A person, I do the right thing for five days, for five years, for 50 years, but there's no guarantee that I can't fall off the wagon. There's no guarantee that I can't mess up. There's no guarantee that just because I've been a holy individual up until this point, that I can't lose my way. That's the idea of Hein Bikdoshav Lo Yamin. You see, Amuna, we have a we, we have Amuna in Akadish because the is consistent and constant. Hein Bikdoshav Lo Yamin is that man is not really capable of that same level of constant consistency. That even though I'm ripe right now, that which is ripe right now could spoil the next day. Rashi understands that it means something a little bit different. Rashi understands that sometimes HaKadosh Baruch Hu takes the righteous from this world early before they can mess up. That sometimes when HaKadosh Baruch Hu sees that someone is holy right now and if they continue to live, they're going to mess up. HaKadosh Baruch Hu takes the neshama right now before they have the opportunity to do something wrong and we have examples of this right the, the Torah is filled with examples like this Noah right Manoach Manoach in the NFL, was an individual who was collected before his time we have examples of this of where HaKadosh Baruch Hu takes people's lives early because now they're righteous but if they stay in this world much longer, unfortunately, they're going to lose that righteousness. Is that true? Said Rabbi yet there was this Tam Chachem who lived in the neighborhood of Rabbi Alexandri, and he passed away when he was young. Passed away when he was young. And ultimately, again, interestingly enough, and Rabbi Alexandri said, you know, if this Bacher. Wanted to live longer, he could have lived. Meaning, what Rashi says, that apparently he made some bad decisions. He made some bad decisions, and those bad decisions cost him his life. But had he continued to choose to live on the straight and narrow, he could have had life. To which the Gemara says, But one second, see what's interesting about this is as follows. Rabbi Alexandri attributed the premature death of this Bachar to the fact that he had fallen off the right path. But says the Gemara, Vim Isa, Dilma Loyam in hava." how do you know, maybe Rabbi Alexandri, maybe this Bachar was absolutely righteous and he died in an absolute state of righteousness and the reason he died early was because HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to prevent him from falling off the right path, to which the Gemara says No, no, Rabbi Alexander knew this boy, he knew this Bachar and unfortunately again this Bachar was an individual literally again, means he kicked his Rebbeim, which means he rejected the authority of his Rebbeim. So somebody who rejects the authority of his Rebbe is not really open to learning. Right? Someone who rejects the authority of his Rebbe is not really in the Kabbal. So Rashi says over here, Rabbi Rabbi Alexander knew this kid, knew this Bachar, and he was not of the kidoshim. He was not of the, kid the Kiddoshim, and Rabbi Alexander understood that he went ahead and he experienced his premature death as a result of his rejection of the authority of his Rebbeim. Profound Gimara. Rabbi Yochanim, when we get to the following Pasik, he would cry. So the Pasik over here. So the Pasik says over here that literally, I will hasten to bring you to judgment and I will be an aide, I will be an aide who will quickly testify against the sorcerers, the adulterers, those who swear falsely, those who withhold, those who withhold wages. So listen to this. So Rabbi Yochanan, when he read this passage he said, if you, have a, if you have a servant whose master quickly brings him to justice and is quick to testify against him, is there any takana? Is there any remedy? And was, what do you do when Hakadosh Baruch Himself says that He's going to testify against you for your wrongdoing? There's another Rabbi Ben There's another scary aspect of this pasuk. What's the scary aspect of this pasuk? That the pasuk lumps together what we would call minor infractions with major infractions. How so? So remember again, if you look at this pasuk, so you have again. You lump together sorcerers, adulterers, and those who withhold the wages of laborers. Now again, I would put sorcery and adultery in a different category than withholding wages. Withholding wages is bad, but it doesn't seem to be the same level of severity. But also, Ryoch and says, you see that in the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it does have the same level of severity. Incredible. Amrish Shlakish, Kalamat dino shelger, kilamat dino a person who perverts the judgment of a ger, of a convert, is as if he perverted the very judgment of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So we read it, mate but it can be Mati. those who go ahead and pervert me. So one who wrongs the ger is as if he wrongs HaKadosh Baruch Incredible. Rabbi Hanina, Shabbos said, but there's good news. Rabbi Hanina says, This is perhaps one of the most important and I think life-affirming gimaras Whoever goes ahead and does something wrong, but then immediately regrets it, lo is immediately forgiven. Buzik says they don't fear me. What can we infer from that? If we fear Akadish we are immediately forgiven. The Rabbi said, "It's an interesting idea." So the gemara says again: If I commit an avera and regret it immediately. I am forgiven immediately, right? Or I should say, I, I, I regret it, I'm forgiven immediately. Which I will say, first of all, is such a profound use, because we learn these gibaras. <laughs> And yes, the stakes are high when we make mistakes, but we should never think that there's ever such a thing as a mistake that you can't get out of, or that there's a mistake that you, that there's no redemption or rehabilitation for. That's the Gemara says. We make mistakes, you all make mistakes, but if I regret the mistake, I am immediately forgiven. Now, remember, when the Gemara says that you have remorse, remorse is the beginning, right? Remorse is not the end. Remorse is the first step in tshuva, or one of the first steps in tshuva, the truth is the first step is really akarasachet, a recognition that I've sinned. After the recognition, then comes the remorse. But remorse and recognition very often are two sides of the same coin. Surely, so what the gemara is saying over here is a person commits an avirah and finds the cards to the tshuva. If you do a sincere tshuva, you will be forgiven. That is a guarantee that the Rebbele Shcholom makes to us. So the Gemara says Rabbi Yochanan got to the following pasuk, he would cry, "Kiyaskol maaseh alakim mishpat, ne'elam." This is incredible, because everything that one does does against God, the Shprach will bring me to judgment. I'll call in ne'elam, even upon that which is hidden. So I will say the Gemara's understanding means even those things you don't know about right even the things you don't know about who holds me accountable for which means Hashem holds me accountable both for my intentional Averis as well as for my unintentional Averis. so again Rabbi Yochanan says who could escape such a judgment like this okay to hold me accountable for my intentional Averis, I hear but then I'm also accountable for my unintentional Averis. it's hard it's hard. To which the Gemara says, "Mayal kol Alam, What does it mean, "al kol ne'elam"? Even that which is hidden. This is interesting. Amrav Zahorikina kina b'fnei rab b'fnei chaverov v'nimas ba. This refers to someone. Who kills a louse in front of his friend and his friend is repulsed by this? So Shmuel, Shmuel says, no, it refers ultimately to someone who spits in front of his friend and his friend is repulsed. What, what does this mean? Said, you would think that the Torah is just, that, sorry, that the Pasuk is just talking about Averas said, I commit between myself and I cut the But what's being added over here, are adding is a person who just doesn't take into account the dignity of their fellow. A person who is just totally ignorant and totally uncaring about the feelings of their fellow person. You kill a louse, which is not navera, you're spitting, not na'veira, but how could I be so oblivious to the feelings of those around me? Such a person who lives a life of obliviousness to the, to the feelings of those around them is held accountable by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Gemara goes weiter. My im what does it mean when the Pasuk says, if for good and for bad? Armed Shabbos said the Gemara refers to this as the follows: that there can be an act that is good, but that very act turns bad. Well, what's an example of an act that's good and turns bad? So this is incredible. Someone who gives tzedakah to a poor person publicly. I give tzedakah to a pauper publicly. Because the I saw a man who gave tzedakah to a pauper. But he gave in public. You would have been better off not giving him tzedakah than giving him and embarrassing him. The idea being if you give tzedakah to a pauper in public, you embarrass them. Right now, suddenly again, you make their entire plight a matter of public knowledge. So again, so that's in tov imra, something that is good, tzedakah is good. But if tzedakah is done the wrong way, then suddenly it becomes bad. Which I would say is such an incredible you sowed, that in life, it's not just about what you do, but it's about how you do it. So you can have a of tzedakah, which is a good act to give tzedakah, but you give tzedakah in the wrong way and suddenly it's a bad act. Not just what you do, but it's how you do it as well. Another example of something that is good that could become bad is a man who gives tzedakah to a woman in private. Because when a man gives money to a woman in a private setting, in a private setting, Shalom people could interpret that as maybe being payment for something illicit. So Rava Amar says, Rava says it also refers to someone who sends meat home to his wife on Arab Shabbos when the meat has not been properly mukhotach. Mukhotach means Cut up. In other words, that the prohibited fats, or Gid Hanusha, sciatic nerve, has not been removed. Because what's the concern? A man sends a piece of meat home, makes pride, places an order in the butcher, sends it home, Erev Shabbos. Erev Shabbos, everything is chaotic. Erev Shabbos, everything is busy, right? This is not like a new thing that Erev Shabbos is busy. It's always been busy. So a man sends home a piece of meat, and the meat is not properly prepared. The wife gets it, her husband sent it home. She doesn't think that maybe there's fats, or maybe there's a sciatic nerve, she just cooks it up. And it turns out that she's cooking something non kosher. We'll say first white line of the bottom. of the Meshager. I bet Rava used to go ahead and send meat that didn't have the fat or the sciatic nerve removed. He would send it home to his wife on Erev Shabbos. Shiny bashav chisda de kimli begavo de Ultimately, Rava was married to the wife of Rav, to, sorry, to the daughter of Ravchista, and the daughter of Ravchista was proficient in these things. So she would see the piece of meat, she would know if the fats or the sciatic nerve weren't removed, and she would make the the the, the necessary arrangements. And rabbi kimata he high crabach, and Yochanan would get to the following pasek, he would cry. It will be that these Ra'os, rabos, these terrible, great number of bad things, and sorrows will find you. Tell me, a servant whose master prepares for him Ra'os, bad things, saros, afflicting things, is there any remedy for him? My Ra'os, Tzaros. What are the Ra'os and saros referred to in the Pasuk? So the Gemara says, Amarav, Ra'os, Shana'os, saros zuluzu So visits Ra'os, and the nature of the negative things are tsaros, Even create a tsaro one to the other. What's an example of this? Kigon zibura v'akrava. So Rashi points out to her something very interesting. That if one gets stung by a, by a bee versus one gets stung by a scorpion, they're treated in two different ways. You treat a scorpion bite with warm water and a bee bite with cold water. Okay, the problem is... Cold water is prob- is, has an adverse impact on a scorpion bite and warm water has an adverse impact on a bee bite. So this is rose two terrible things that ultimately are tsoros zulu zu, that ultimately exacerbate one the other. So the Gemara goes out, It's very interesting, Shmuel says, What are Ra'os Soros This is someone who gives money to a poor person when he's desperate. This is really quite fascinating. You see, Shmuel says like this, the idea the idea is to go ahead and give money. This is actually, I'm sorry. Rashi says this is going back on in Tov Imra, when the Pasek says something that is good, could also become bad. What's in Excel saying that is good that has become bad? Giving money to a pauper when he's desperate. Meaning what? See, when an ani, when a pauper is desperate, he has, to, he has to get what he needs and he has no time to look for a bargain, right? He has no time to figure out how to use the money wisely because he's in acute crisis right now. It's interesting because Shmuel says the ideal of tzedakah, and this is really quite fascinating, is to give money to a person who needs it before the need becomes acute so that they have the ability to be a bit more strategic with the funds. But if you give money to a person who's already in crisis, so the, again, the small saying over here, that's imtovim ra, that's something good that becomes bad. They're going to use the money to alleviate the crisis, but they cannot use the money strategically. So again, this is what people say that sometimes there is no money to go ahead and purchase wheat but there is money ultimately again to hang in the basket hanging in the basket represents going to waste so sometimes again you know when before the person was in crisis they had an opportunity to go at, if they had an infusion of funds, to use it strategically. Now they're in crisis. In crisis mode, a person rarely has the opportunity to be strategic. And by the way, it's too interesting, though So first of all, it's an interesting concept for Hilcho's tzedakah, that when possible, the goal is to help a person before the crisis becomes acute. Help them... You know the crisis is going to come, but it's not here yet, so if they have the money, if they have the aid, if they have the guidance, maybe they could avert crisis, be a bit more strategic and stay on their feet. Whereas if you only help when crisis strikes, often once there's crisis, again, the ability to be strategic and the ability to help in a more comprehensive way is often lost. Now it's just about saving the person from drowning. But even aside from tzedakah, what an incredible life lesson. See, all too often we don't think about life and we don't think about the choices we make or the direction we want to take until we're forced to think about life, which is often in the midst of crisis. The goal in life is to be strategic. The goal in life is to think ahead. The goal in life is not to wait until I'm in a crisis moment to figure out what should I do with my life, what should I do with myself, which direction should I go in. The goal is to be able to think about all of those things. What is my obligation in this world? What should I be doing? What should I be focusing on? Where should I be putting my time, my money, my efforts? And the goal is to think about those things before crisis hits. To be forward-thinking people when we have the luxury and the bandwidth of being forward-thinking. Because once I'm in crisis, once I'm in crisis, the ability to be a forward-thinking person is very often not there. When I'm in crisis... All of my energy, all of my time, and often all of my resources are directed just to keeping me afloat. An incredible yisod. So, once remember again, the pasuk says that literally again, I will get angry. I will get angry at them on that day, and I will leave them, I will forsake them, and I will hide my face from them. It's actually a very profound Gimara. Whoever doesn't experience hester upon him, whoever doesn't experience a time, this is to my both as a nation as individuals. Whoever doesn't go through a period of time of hester upon him where they feel that Hakadosh Baruch Hu has shielded his face from him, from them, they're not part of Klal Yisrael. Whoever ultimately again is not is, has never experienced That ultimately they are subject to the whims of other nations or other people is not a member of Klav Yisrael but they will say understand the profundity of this Gemara. what the Gemara is saying is do you know what it means to be a Jew? do you know what it means to be part of Klav Yisrael? that you're going to experience times as an individual and as part of a nation where you wonder where God is in your life That's part of being a member of Am Yisrael. You know what it means to be part of Am Yisrael? That there are going to be moments where others are going to take advantage of you. That There are going to be times in life where you are at the whim, where you're at the mercy of others. This is what it means to be a member of Israel. Yisrael. I know you hear this and you say to yourself, my gosh, this is what it means membership has its privileges, right? This is what it means to be a member of Qalb Yisrael. But I will say, it's an incredible yisod. Because ultimately, again, our job as Jews is to have emuna. But emuna is only something that is meaningful when it's tested. right? If life always goes my way and everything is always fine and there are never any challenges, then there's no great trap in having emuna. It's obvious. Of course I believe in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, if everything goes my way. What makes emuna meaningful is that it's tested. What makes belief in Akhalish Baruch, relationship with Hashem, something special is because there are times where I wonder, what is going on over here? What is happening? Kaylee, Kaylee, Lama Azavtani, Hashem, where did you go? That's what the Gimara means. How do you know you're a member of Am Yisrael when your Amuna is tested? And how is my Amuna tested? Because there are periods of time when I feel like I need Akhalish Baruch so badly and he's absent. And when is my Amuna tested? Or well, I feel that he's absent. When is my Amuna tested? when I feel like I'm really taken advantage by others and I don't understand how did Hashem let this happen, those are the, so says the Gimara, that's what it means to be part of Kalad Yisrael, to have your emuna tested. Because when my emuna is tested and I come through the test and I still believe in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when my emuna is tested and I come out of the test, I come out of the adverse circumstances and I still feel connected, I still feel in love, I still feel like I am one with the Sham, that's emuna. But it's only meaningful if it's subject to a test it's only meaningful if it's ultimately subjected to adversity whoever doesn't experience periods of haster of feeling forsaken and left alone by Hashem whoever doesn't have experiences of being taken advantage and maybe sometimes even hurt by others you're not a member of Cloud Yisrael what it means to be a Jew is to possess incredible Amunah but to possess incredible Amunah that Amunah has to be tried and tested Incredible. It's supposed to say, top line, hand hey, with base, 5B. I'm um, really the Rava. So the Rabbanon said to Rava, mar lo upon him, So listen to this. So the Rabbanon said to Rava, you know, Rava, I don't know, we look at your life and you look like you have a pretty happy life. Right? It doesn't look like your amuna is ever tested. Right? It looks like, again, baruch Hashem, you're happy, you're successful, you have everything. Sa'ai, you're never tested. So Rava says to them, Amrale miad miyaditu if you only knew how much I had to pay off the king, right? If you only knew how much money I spent in bribes to the kings and to his officials to keep me safe, to keep my family safe, to keep Klaud Yisrael safe. So the nevertheless the rabbis were distrustful of this and they felt that Ravah was never really test, Ravah never experienced any, any adversity. So therefore, again, Adahachi Shadar de Be'shabra Malko as a result ultimately again that the rabbis felt that Rava was never really tested the king king shapur shavar Malko came and kind of took all of Rava's money wherever khazal wherever the rabbis placed their eyes again in a sense of distrust or a sense of, of punishment Ultimately, again, there's either death or poverty. So, this is really interesting. Second of all, there's so much to talk about with this in terms of like Ravah didn't do anything wrong, but she saw that the words of Sadiqim always have a key. The words of Sadiqim always have an effect. And here again, the rabbis felt that Ravah was espousing an idea. That ultimately, again, he did not really personify. And as a result, ultimately, again, he loses out financially. Incredible. So the Gemara goes weiter. The Gemara says, the Gemara says as follows. Uh, so the Gemara says to us, even though there are moments where I hide my face from you, I will always speak to you, at least in a dream. So Rav Yosef, so Yosef said, So even in periods of Hester Panim, where HaKadosh Baruch Hu is hidden, even in those times, HaKadosh Baruch Hu still finds a way to communicate with us. Rav Yosef says, Even in times where HaKadosh Baruch Hu is hidden from us, his protective hand is still extended upon us. Shne'emar, Amar yadi Good. So Rav Yosef tells an amazing story Rabbi Ben Chanano, Holly Bey One time, Joman Chanano was in the palace of the Caesar. Achvilea who Apicorso amod adjun who mari la apemine. So there was a particular apicoris who was there in the palace together of Shubb'chaim, and they're in the presence of the Caesar. Now Rashi says of third line from the top, She'ina ma'amino razal ki sedukim. What's an Apikoris? Someone who doesn't believe in the words of Chazal. That's an Apikoris. So there was this Apikoris together with Rabbi Chananya in the palace of the Caesar. And ultimately, the Apikoris gestures to Rabbi Chananya, and he says, HaKadosh Baruch who has turned his face away from you. Ach Yodo netuya alinu. So the Rabbi Yishav he signals back, but whose hand is still upon us. Maybe he turned his face away a little bit, but his protective hand is still upon us. So Rabbi says, so the Caesar sees them gesturing to each other. I'm Rabbi so Caesar says to Rabbi shua tell me, what did this guy gesture to you? So he says, so my I'm a he gestured to me that God has turned his back on us. And I gestured back to him, but God's hand is still upon us. So the Caesar then turns to the Apicarius and says, Apicarius, what did you just say? So, I gestured to him that their God had forsaken them. And then the Caesar says to the Apicoris, And what did I be sure gesture back to you? So the, so the Apicoris said, I don't know. I, I actually don't know what he gestured back to me. So the Caesar said, Tell me, is it appropriate to gesture in front of the Caesar when you don't know what you're gesturing? they took the apicoris out and they killed him. So an incredible turn of events. In other words, the Apichores, so we'll and, and, and a riot from Shul So words, the, the, the Apichores is saying, your God has forsaken you. And the Shul says, God's face may be hidden, but at the end of the day, his protective hand always extends upon us. And amazingly enough, what's the end of the story? The Apichores is executed by the Caesar, incredible. So we'll say first of the widest lines, Ki Rabbi ben When Rabbi Yosher ben Chananya was about to pass away, might have the What's going to happen to us with the Abi Carson? So apparently Rabbi Khananyo ben Chananya was the great champion of the Jewish people when it came to the Abi Carson. Right? He was always the one. He was always the one who who, who protected klal Yisrael when Abi Carson tried to start up. So now it's Rabbi Yosher ben Chananya, you're about to die. What's going to happen to us with the Abi Carson when you die? When wisdom is lost from the sons, ultimately the wisdom grows putrid. Once etza, once wisdom, or once counsel leaves the children, The wisdom of the nations of the world grows putrid. In other words, Rabbi Shemach and was were saying, is, if I'm not going to be here to protect you, was going to make sure that no one from the nations of the world is here to start up with you the other is from here this is by Yaakov and Esav so right so Esav says that Esav and Yaakov the way it works is Esav only has power when Yaakov has the ability to travel alongside of him but now that at the end of the day Rabbi Shubbachana says i won't be here there won't be any apicarsim to start up with you up until the time that there is a proper champion to defend you. Rav Ila Havasalik Bedarga debe Raba Barshila. So Rav Ila, Rabbi Ila was walking up the stairs in the house of Raba Barshila. Shami Yanuka Davikari, he also says, so beautiful, he heard a young child who was reading the following Pasek. The pasik here is from Amos. Ki hine Harim ruach, umagid Adam masicho. Literally again, HaKadosh Baruch was one who creates the mountains, right, he fashions the mountains, he creates the wind, and he tells man what his conversation is, he tells man what his conversation is, um, so, so Rabbi Ela hears this and he says, Amar, tell me if the master recounts every conversation of the servant, is there any hope for the servant? My masichah, what, what conversation is referring to? Even the, even, even the small talk between a husband and wife, even the small talk between a husband and wife is retold, is retold before HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when a person dies. In other words, when I leave this world, when a person leaves this world, not only are my actions reviewed, but every word that I said used, and even words said in the most intimate of moments. Rashi says over, Even words exchanged by a husband and wife during their most intimate moments, right? Even during their sexual relationship, even those words that are exchanged then, those words are retold before the Beis Din Those words are retold before HaKadosh Baruch Hu is that so? So listen to this. So like the like, this is actually a pretty wild story. Rav Kahana once hid under the bed of Rav. I will say a, a very strange story. Rav Kahana hid under the bed of Rav because he wanted to see how his Rebbe conducted himself in moments of intimacy. Apparently he was. He was a Talmud. He wanted to learn everything about his Rebbe. desach vitzachak And he heard that Rav Rav, when he was intimate with his wife, said right. It was spoke with his wife, and again words of intimacy. Words of intimacy caused her to laugh. They laughed together, and then they had relations. So so Rav Kana's under the bed. Uh, I will say it just. It is what it is, right? Rav Kana, Rav Kana, it, Rav kana is under the bed and Rav kahana is under the bed. He hears what's going on and he begins to speak to Rav. Amar dame pume dirav the mouth of the master sounds like someone who never had anything to eat. In other words, what Rav kahana was saying to Rav is you talk and your excitement and the words that you're using are like you never had relations before. So wasn't this. A Rav here's Rav Kahana is under the bed. Amar kahana, puk, is Kahana, get out of here. Get it. We're not having this conversation. Now get out of here, Puk, get out of here. Love Orachara. This is not normal. I value my relationship with my Talmudim, but not this much. We could, we, right? we, we could have conversations in the base Medrash, but this is not the place for you to be. Get out of here, So i say so. Okay, so leaving aside that story, the point over here, what do you see from this story? You see from the story that Rav Rav said what we call Diveritoi. That Rav didn't just engage in the act of relations, right? Rav didn't just have relations with his wife. There was a setting of the mood. And the setting of the mood requires words. And the setting of the words requires a whole bunch of behaviors in, in, order, for, in order for the act to be pleasurable and meaningful. To which the Gemara says, kan We will say this is part of a of a different discussion, which is actually quite fascinating. You know, in 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 from from a Jewish from a halachic perspective, a man has an obligation of intimacy towards his wife, and that obligation really finds expression in that the man is obligated to make sure that his wife gets pleasure from intimacy. This is an incredibly important yisod, because it, 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 to a certain degree, often it stands in contradistinction to how greater society sees a sexual relationship. Right in society. Intimacy, sexual relations, is about gratification. I have a need, I have a desire, I have a want, my goal is to satisfy that desire. And it's incredible, in halacha, that's not the way it is in halacha, a man's obligation is to make sure that his wife gets pleasure from the act of intimacy. That's his obligation. It's not just a nice thing for a man to satisfy his wife in an intimate relationship. That's the halachic obligation that a man has that that's the obligation that a man has. So therefore, again, a man has to know his wife and has to understand how how she could find pleasure through this intimate relationship. So sometimes, again, it's through words, sometimes it's through touch, it's through all different things. So the Gemara says something amazing. So the Gemara says, the Gemara says that whatever a husband has to do, and whatever he has to say, right, or whatever mood he has to set in order for his wife to find pleasure and to get pleasure in relations, that's halachically appropriate. There are certain things that could be inappropriate. I mean, we know this. But like for example, again, the Gemara discusses that a man is not supposed to think about another woman during relations. So let's say speaking about another woman to one's wife during relations, that's inappropriate. That's inappropriate. And that's when the Gemara says that ultimately, again, if there are inappropriate discussions that happen during intimacy, that I'm held accountable for and those conversations are replayed after 120. But of course, but, but conversations that are necessary in order to set the right tone, conversations that are necessary in order to create an atmosphere of intimacy, conversations that are necessary in order to allow one's wife to have pleasure from the act of intimacy, that's not only okay, but the says is ultimately obligatory. Good. I don't know what happened the next day in Shir with, uh, you know, with with Rav Kahana and Rav. Uh, Yeah, I I don't know, but it must have been interesting. The Gemara goes weiter. So so the Gemara goes weiter. 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 So the, the Pasuk over here says, if you do not listen, literally translated means if you do not listen with the hidden things, ultimately again tifka nafshi my soul will cry me gava because of because of the because of the arrogance what does this mean amravshon by you know mishmay dirav muko mishlav college parahu mistarim there is a place that i college parahu has and his name is mistarim and this is where Hakadosh Baruch Hu, right? My my mipnei gavra. What does mean <speaking in> because <Hebrew> the gavra? Rav Shmuel Bar Yitzchak made ga'avas on Shai Israel. She nitla meheminet la'avod hakam. Hakadosh Baruch Hu cries over the fact that the honor of Klal Yisrael was taken. The grandeur of Klal Yisrael was taken and was given to the nations of the world. This is important. When we suffer, Hakadosh Baruch Hu cries as well. Rav Shmuel Bar Nachmani Aram made ga'avasah shal malchus shamayim. Hakadosh Baruch Hu cries. Because the greatness of the of his monarchy has been removed. What does Chas Parukh that when we are downtrodden, the covenant of our is diminished as well. To which the Gemara says, "Miya ka bechia kamei Does Chas Parukh cry? But Rab Papa says there is no sadness in the presence of Hashem. Hold the head. Pasek says, Grandeur and greatness is before HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the v'chedva, strength and joy. L'okash hamebati ga'ava, ich So we'll say it depends, HaKadosh Baruch Hu cries in an inner chamber, doesn't cry in an outer chamber. Obati b'railo, is that true in the outer chamber he doesn't cry? V'akse v'yikra, So I will say, here again, it seems that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is crying even in the outer chamber. Sh'ayni chorbem beis HaMikdosh da'afilu malachi shalom bahu. It's different when the base HaMikdash is destroyed, it's different. Why? Because in the base HaMikdash is destroyed, even the Malachim cries. When even the Malachim are crying, everyone is crying. For the destruction of the base HaMikdash, anyone and everyone is crying. So even the Ribbono Olam cries, not only in his inner chamber, but in his outer chamber. As well. I will say what an incredible and overwhelming episode that when we suffer, the Rebono Shal olam suffers as well. Sometimes the greatest difficulty in suffering is a feeling of isolation and being alone. But know that when a Yid suffers, when a Jew suffers, when we undergo adversity or difficulty as individuals or as a nation, the Rebono Shal olam always suffers along with us. Sometimes he's only crying in his, in his inner chamber, but sometimes he's crying with us in his outer chamber as well. This, of course, is the ultimate message of hope and redemption because, again, we know that if HaKadosh Baruch Hu is suffering along with us, Chalash Baruch is not going to allow his personal state of suffering to endure. And because he's going to remedy his divine suffering, we know that our suffering will be alleviated alongside his. Halavai, should be to experience that. So we have to stop over here for today. A lot to do, incredible, Gimara. Wishing everyone a wonderful day. And Shkoyach.